0: Have a beer, beer Dave. Okay, have a beer. Oh, I'm making a Caesar. I'd have a fucking beer. I'd have a beer.
1: Welcome to The Local, where locals talk local beer and brewing. This is our second episode, and I'm really quite excited today, being a bit of fanboy of sorts. Um, With no disrespect to our last guest, Jake from Dayton's, um, today's guest I'm a little bit giddy about, because I get to talk to someone who has been making some of my favourite beer locally. Uh, It's Matt Horton from Boat Rocker Brewers and Distillers. Welcome, Matt.
2: Hello, how are you?
1: Yeah, good. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: It's a, a pleasure.
1: So Matt, um, it's a busy time down at Boat Rocker at the moment because something that comes out every year around about this time is a dark and roasty friend we like to call Ramjet. So Matt, um, let's forget about Ramjet for one moment. People might be interested about your journey. Do you want to tell us how you started rocking the boat and how it all began?
2: Absolutely. Um, look, I've been homebrewing for many, many years, since I was 15, um, before I was legally allowed to, to homebrew. And then the, the, the TV show called The Beer Hunter, which had Michael Jackson, uh, was on SBS when, at a similar time. And I was absolutely fascinated by uh, this little man going around, tasting all these beers at different breweries. And it really struck me. I also wanted to travel through Europe. Uh, the idea of you know, hiring or buying a combi van and going through driving through europe uh was was definitely high on my list of things to do um so it's sort of like cons- everything just sort of came together at once with wanting to travel uh interest in beer and then this tv show um and seeing all these places with what was an absolutely fascinating thing for me at the time um and still is fascinating from a, a social perspective and the historical importance of beer and society and everything else mm-hmm. is amazing. So I, I was, you know, always dreaming of it, I guess. And then finally saved up enough money, uh, finished uh, my first university course uh, doing science at La Trobe. And then did some bar work. Um, prior to that as well, I think a really eye-opening thing was working at, at Stephanie Alexander's restaurant, Stephanie's, uh-huh. uh, so, that was a, a, a good introduction to fine food and uh, food service and understanding of flavors and working with small producers, which is what Stephanie did. Mm-hmm. We us more, in, uh, more recently, once we have our own venue and our own business, uh, being able to deal with those producers. Um, and working with farmers and things like that trying to get produce for certain beers but i'm digressing uh then we we then uh up enough money after working at restaurants bar ships all that sort of stuff uh, and back through europe with uh, my pocket guide to beer as uh, pretty much my guidebook um which basically listed all the, the top bars beer bars and uh, breweries throughout uh, the world um, i was pretty much into to europe for my My year of of backpacking and uh, my first port of call was Cantillon. And went to Brussels, I'd lost my luggage, Um, good old Qantas back then, so nothing's changed much. Um, (laughs) And then landed there, uh, went to to the Cantillon and and was uh, not really given a tour, was told, Here's a little piece of paper. Uh, Back then it was five Belgian francs um, and walk around a uh, little thing saying, yeah, this is, a, this is the cool ship, this is the this, this is the that. Um, and then at the end, you get a, a free glass of their um, lambing. Oh,
0: wow. um,
2: an old lady with a glass, uh, sorry, a ceramic jug, bought a glass and never had anything like it. It was mind blown from, from the very first moment. I think that's what really got me thinking about beer, history, um, barrels, oak ageing. Mm-hmm. and then different techniques um I've, I've definitely played around with uh some simple uh kettle souring uh the, the complete joy of homebrewing had a, a page on <laughs> sour mash um which i'd, I'd sort of done once uh, and thought no it was all right didn't, didn't really think it was that good um but back my bad homebrew skills at the time <laughs> um, going back to australia like it was vb uh Nothing wrong with it. It's absolutely fine as a beer, but there was no excitement for me in the product. Um, and there really weren't many people back then making beers. The mountain goat had only really just started. There might have been some little creatures. Um, but, you know, it really late 90s, early 2000s, there's not a lot of uh, craft beer. Um, mm-hmm. That's changed a lot. Now there's 700 and something breweries Australia-wide, but um, from there, I don't know. Let's, let's make some beer. I uh, started brewing at uh, Ballarat and uh, also did a photography degree at RIT. Um, <laughs> so Helped me in good stead for you know, designing all the labels and uh, utilising you know, other techniques for building websites and stuff. To When we first got the, the business up and running, we were going to build a brewery proper, but what happened was that the um, the GFC came along uh-huh. uh, and that sort of put me to those plans, so we We'd already had homebrew recipes for a pale ale uh, and amongst other beers. Um, the pale ale was alpha queen. So we went and got that contracted at Southern Bay, mm-hmm. um, our first batch, and uh, I used to go down and do as much as I could uh, on there. Um, I, I was always held back with the limits of what you can create when you're contract brewing. So you need to brew very large volumes and work on a different, different mindset when it comes to... Uh, price point of beer, um, and really you know, the beers that I wanted to make were big beers like jet Funky Wild Ales like, um, you know, not that I've ever got to a point where I think they're as good, but, you know, Dry Fontaine and Boone, um, all those beers, plus other ones, you know, uh, the Alpha Pale Ales here in Nevada was, was a big uh, um, part of, I guess, the inspiration for that, as was Little Creatures. Back in the day, um, you know, amazing beer, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Very, long, very long-winded answer to that question about how we got started.
1: <laughs> I remember um, riding my bike down there um, to the brewery one afternoon when I lived much closer to, um, to Boat Rocker. In fact, it was the local for me. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember you were having a go at making a cool ship and it was out of an old um, dairy
2: uh, vessel of some sort. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you still using that? Yeah, we do, yeah. yeah. Like, and our, our cool ship, the, the hardest part, like, Melbourne is okay for spontaneous ferments, but it's not as consistent, I think, as uh, with the, the Northern Hemisphere, yeah. um, particularly with temperature. But we still have our cool ship yeah, uh, across the road, so <laughs> we use it um, for a, a number of different beers, but also we use it for uh, uh, rye. So we have a cool ship rye, so we... Uh, spontaneously the rye wash and then we fill that um, to turn it into a, 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 like a rye whiskey.
1: Yeah, wonderful. That's cool. Um, so speaking of all things wonderful, um, we're here to talk about Ranjet. So what I might do is I'll, they're in cans now, so I'm going to open up one.
2: Um, open mine as well. Hey, there we go. Nice. Well, the
0: reason
1: why I like four o'clock for a, for a podcast uh, interview it's... <laughs> yeah lucky we didn't agree to a morning one. <laughs> the rest of the day might have been ruined. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> All right. So um, last week I was um, I embarrassed myself. Basically, I got stage fright and couldn't describe a single thing in the beer. So this week I've done a bit of research. I've already had not today a um, a ramjet and gave myself. I wrote down some tasting notes, but. Um, Let's just talk about the aroma and what we're getting in the aroma here. Okay. So, um, okay. Matt, we might even just do a one-for-one one here. So, uh, originally, uh, initially, I should say, I get um, a big hit of that whiskey barrel that um, obviously imparts a lot of character in this beer.
2: That's right, yeah. No, for me, whiskey is the first sort of thing that I wouldn't call a blow-off, but uh, to become readily apparent on the nose. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and interestingly
2: nose, enough... It gives way to, to that oak... Character coming through, and also some some dried fruits. Um, but that I was a hint of red wine um, coming through as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I get that real vanilla in that oak yeah. um, character that you um, that you just mentioned. And you were talking about whiskey initially. I actually I got that initially as well in the aroma, but later on, once my glass was emptying and warming up a little, um, the whiskey really came out in the flavour as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the, of the beauties of, of not just MJET, but any, any big imperial barrel Age beer. Yeah, it's... Really, uh, ambient room temperature, there's so much going on. Um, and everything just It's almost like the beer evolves in the glass over time. So it's um, you just keep on getting little, little snippets of something else each time.
1: Yeah, it kind of rewards you for being patient. Um, you, you, yeah. you, if you don't drink it straight away, you, you get a, a different experience each time you go back for a sip, particularly over an extended session. Um, we don't have that long today to to sit here and drink a, a ramjack. Uh, it, I enjoyed it over a long time when I had it initially. Um, enjoyed the sort of dark chocolate and um, umami character that came through um, yep, as really well.
2: The really lovely. Yeah, that, that dark chocolate, almost like the lint, mm-hmm. uh, 80%. Um, it's got that real sort of, I don't know, rich cocoa in um, you. And then that, yeah, that that classic umami character that comes from age the barrel, um, uh, barrel age.
1: So speaking of barrel, barrel ageing, I should say, um, how long does it spend in barrels generally, your Ramjet?
2: So Ramjet, uh, I guess I'll, I'll call it Ramjet because we have Roger Ramjet, which is a, a different, same, same, but different, same recipe, but different barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, so We've found that uh, look, the, the barrels that we get from Starwood are always... Uh, I ring up Ace, the head distiller at Starwood, and say that we're, we're doing a ramjet. Can I have some barrels, please? And he's like, yep, yeah, how many do you want? Um, they're always emptied pretty much the day before or that day. And then we get them three it over. Uh, so they're, they're literally dripping wet. Oh,
1: many, wow.
2: Whiskey. So, uh, and some are some are wetter than others. Um, and depending on the time of the time of you, we might turn a barrel over and pour out some whiskey. Uh, something like half a liter and that's just what's dripping out let alone what's in the staves the the, the distillers are, uh, they're sort of like they, they measure their the volume of the spirit that goes into a barrel and then they leave a barrel for four or five years there's always the angels share mm-hmm. um, but there's also whiskey stuck in the wood and they estimate there's about six liters of whiskey in the wood oh wow uh, so at, at cask strength so uh, thats ends up making its way into the ramjet. So the wetter the whiskey barrel, uh, the more whiskey, obviously, they go thin, um, that goes in, and that does impact the flavour profile um, of the, the beer. Um, and that's why I think what we've discovered, if we leave a barrel for six, seven months, no, no less than six, you don't get any sort of uh, wood character mm-hmm. coming through. But French, like the majority of barrels they use, they, they use ex-wine uh, barrels predominantly, And they are mostly French oak, which is a really different tannin structure compared to American uh, oak. So American oak is full of vanillins and coconut, and uh, yeah. So the the, um, American oak has got a different tannin structure. So the um, the French oak, uh, I guess, they tend to provide more of a tannic quality. So if we leave them for longer, um, which it had uh, may have had a, a beer called Nordjet, which mm-hmm. was we had a barrel that was left longer, uh, and the tannin uh, was much more assertive in that beer. Which again, that's what reminded me of of uh, of the licorice, salted licorice from mm-hmm. Scandinavia. So that's why we made Nordjet. But so we found that the sweet spot really is between six and nine months for uh, for the French oak starwood barrels, um, whereas with the bourbons. We find we really hit a, a really good spot uh, over 12 months. So, 12 to 14 months is really good. Mm. Um,
1: That's interesting how the two two different liquors uh, mean that you have to age it differently. And I guess it's the oak yeah, as well. That, yeah.
2: It's, it's a real pain because it's, <laughs> cause it's, always, uh, it's sometimes you just get very impatient and you want to just drink it. But um, you know that it's worth waiting an extra month or two. Um, so, and it's like with, with Fat Santa. That's aged in bourbon barrels. Um, and that'll be, that is Ramjet effectively. It's just our Christmas, our Christmas version of Ramjet. Uh, exactly the same recipe, same with Roger Ramjet. Mm-hmm. We, we, we always utilize the same base imperial stout, uh, which kind of works really well for dealing with whiskey barrels and bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works the way we've structured the malt bill um, and what we ferment at, how we ferment residual sugars and things like that.
1: Yeah, that's unreal. Um, so a base beer, Riz, you might be getting a lot of homebrewers going, oh, gee, because this beer is quite inspiring and I know that I've had it before and gone, yeah, I think I want to make a Riz, a Riz now. <laughs> so um, can you give us some um, clues as to what would make an excellent Riz?
2: Um, my key is choose the right yeast strain mm-hmm. that to can tolerate uh, high alcohol. Um, we use uh, uh, nearly all of our, well, we use lots of different yeast strains in our brewery, but yeah. um, our house strain, I call it our house strain, is um, from White Labs called 007.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's an english yeast um, that is just excellent, an excellent all-rounder. It provides a little bit of fruitiness depending on the temperature you ferment at. So if you ferment cooler, there's less ester uh, production. If you ferment a little bit warmer, you can get some really nice um, nice ester production. So we ferment range in you know, around that 21-degree mark. Mm-hmm. Um, provides a nice little bit of, uh, I guess, uh, mm. production, but also it, it finishes quite dry as well. Mm. Um, the attenuation of 007 is about 80%, um, oh, yeah. so, which is excellent. So we can really get a high gravity, the starting gravity of ramjets. Uh, I'll, I'll go specific gravity cause I, <laughs> I'm a home brewer. That's what I've always been using. Uh, Plato is too confusing for me, <laughs> but um, we, we, we try and start at a minimum, uh, Eleven oh three for Ranjit. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes we get eleven seventeen. It does vary depending on, you know, it's not always a perfect thing. We're dealing with a very full mash tun, mm-hmm.
0: um,
2: so we, we do three brews over two days, um, and we absolutely cram mash tun. It's literally overflowing uh, with with grain, um, and then we, we boil. We do a, a two hour boil uh, the beer just to try. And Get some of that reaction happening, not so much for colour, but for flavour, mm-hmm. and and also to get the the bitterness. Um, this is not a really bitter beer, um, but it's bitter enough to help everything balance out with the sweetness and uh, the ageing. And the ageing obviously it diminishes the uh, bitterness a little bit as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, nice. Um, I love the um, the the fact that you've um, you've created a beer that you were saying is balanced. Um, off air, if you will, we were talking about how you've dialed in um, Ramja over the years. Do you want to talk about how you've sort of um, gone from big and bold to balanced and bold, I guess?
2: Yeah, look, I, for us, I've always, you know, we felt like we're having to chase these these big, big boozy uh, beers. And, you know, we're definitely um, inspired by and influenced by, you know, the, the great bourbon county stout. Um, amazing beer. Mm-hmm massively high, high alcohol, um, you know, often often over
0: 13%.
2: Mm. Well, let, let's try and get something a bit bigger with, with Ramjet. Um, and <laughs> we just found that I just, it led to an unbalanced nature that it, it caught up all right eventually after a few years in bottle. Um, but it just, it I don't know, I, I want it to be drinkable uh, from the start.
1: Yeah, and you've certainly so, made uh, that.
2: Exactly, and it will will evolve, and I don't think it'll be one of those things, like some of the beers, that we we put like a a five-year time frame on on Ramjet Um, in terms of that's when you can, it'll it'll change every year, Mm -hmm. but it will be uh, still still drinkable, Um, hopefully very drinkable. But um, it's just one of those things, I think, where I like the idea of having a beer that I can pour into my glass and not have to, Necessarily wait a year for it to, to hit its sweet spot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this iteration is 11.4% for those playing at home. So we're talking big and bold. It still is quite a big beer, um, but yeah. in the realm of, I guess, big American riz, um beers that uh, might have, um, you know, notoriety over in the states, um, it's not as huge as those. But um, I just don't think uh, uh, bumping up the ABV for ABV's sake is is worth it because what you've got here is uh, a delicious, um, dark, roasty um, beer that just keeps inviting you for more. So um, you might have heard me opening this bottle if you're listening. I mean, sorry, this can gone oh that's not a bottle typically we've seen um ramjet come in bottles matt you this year you've gone to more of a can ba- base um do you want to explain the reasoning behind that
2: yeah look, we, we um art about whether we stick with cans or go bottles we've got a bottling machine and a canning machine and the, the the trouble is we have such limited volumes of ramjet every year like, we don't make massive amounts of it as ramjet so we had little under 2,000 litres. So we thought, well, if we split it like we did last year to cans and bottles, we might lose 100 litres in the lines from moving, packaging. And 900 litres, that's a massive amount to have lost. So where we run the canning machine, we can actually have less losses with the canning than we do with the bottling. Uh Um, Because the trouble with bottling, excuse me, um, if you have one head that's not filling correctly and they've got a low fill, you've, you've lost the beer.
1: Yeah. But your staff uh, are happy.
2: <laughs> very happy. Yeah. So, so we, we, we ended up going, well, let's, let's just, we did a, a tiny amount in bottles for the Ramjet mm-hmm.
0: Um
2: And then we thought, let's just do cans. Yeah. So. I don't want to waste the beer, basically. And
1: I wonder um, how that will change as um, as it ev- evolves over the year. Um, those canned bo- um, versions versus the bottle versions. Um, and... Yeah,
2: look, we did a trial last year with uh, the release of, of both a can and a bottle, mm-hmm. and we're going to wait. We'll, we'll try. I'd say if we try this year, it may not be long enough to see the difference, but mm-hmm. maybe next year. Uh, that'll be two years, and we've got the side by side of can and bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and see which one is holding up better. Um, and my mind is that I guess the oxidation is going to evolve the beer uh, that, differently in a bottle than it will in a can because yeah. um, the, the can is a true hermetic seal. So it can't actually allow oxygen in and it won't have any light either. So um, that will be really interesting to see if better. And if those age, uh, characteristics um are from you know that oxidation and and there's some light as well
0: mm.
1: I, I i let this one age around about a week and i think it's doing all right <laughs> <laughs> um but there's a couple more coming my way i know oz post have got it probably in sunshine west um so i might get it by the time it's drinkable and in five years who knows
2: yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> hopefully the uh, good thing is it's not too hot at the moment so that's true
1: very true. So that's if anyone's keen on buying a Boat Rocker Ramjet, where where can they go?
2: Um, the, there are limited supplies. We, 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 lockdown is obviously a uh, plane flying over here. You probably can't hear it. But um, the, a lot of the last two years have been online uh, sales for the mm-hmm. Boat Rocker um, because that's sort of, where well, we've been able to try and get our beer out to customers, obviously with the, the limitations on travel, that people can, uh, how far they can drive and and do things. So we've, we've done a lot of those post deliveries. So this year, uh, we doubled the number of Ramjet day packs um, from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and also our online sales of Ramjet. We've, we've really had, I think it was like, maybe 16, you no, know, 30, 30, 16 packs to go to wholesale mm-hmm. of Ramjet Nationwide. Wow. Because everything else went to the, the customer via online. So, why wow. uh, well, I was post hate us. They love us. They love <laughs> hate relationship, I think. But, <laughs> right, I was post, probably love us. So, so, the best
1: place for people to go would be the website.
2: The website, yeah. I, I can recommend there's a few places I know uh, that popped up on Instagram today. Otter's Promise uh, picked some up. Um, this did some other specialist independent stores. I'm sure um, Grape mm-hmm. Rain will have some, but again, they might only get one one cube mm-hmm. of sixteen cans, which I, if the staff or anything like I know, <laughs> they'll probably <laughs> buy them for themselves and just say it's sold out. So
1: absolutely, or do what we've just discovered today: wait till Christmas, and you'll get a fat Santa.
2: Exactly, at Santa, <laughs> we've got a lot of bourbon barrels. We invested uh, at the end of last year. Um, everything got thrown in disarray production wise last year. We we purchased uh, shared a shipment with Hop Nation of, of bourbon barrels that um, were freshly emptied and, and really in, in fantastic nick. So we've got a lot of exciting uh, Santa, Roger, Ramjet. Um, we did a bourbon Barrel aged version of Windmills and Vanes. So that's sitting in bourbon Barrels at the moment. Cool. Uh, which is the Demolon collab. Um, and then we've got some other crazy, crazy ideas coming out. All, all sort of using Ramjet uh, profiles.
1: Nice. So um, it sounds like we better... Follow the socials or keep on the um, newsletter for all those kind of beers coming out soon, Matt.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Look, yeah. social media is the best. It's the best spot to keep, keep up. It can be a bit annoying at times, I'm sure, but um, we also have a newsletter. Subscribe, and uh, you'll find out we don't we don't pester too much. Just when a new beer is about to come out, so I figure that's, that's enough.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for um, sharing at least half of this glass with me. I'm going to continue enjoying this for the rest of the um, rest of the the daylight hours, I think, um, because it's such a uh, a great sipper and it, it does open up and um, become more friendly, let's say, as yeah, you, you let
2: well, it. I think it's one of those beers that if you have a, a good movie or a TV show, open it up and then by the time the TV show or the movie finishes, you'll probably... Uh, <laughs> And glass. <laughs> yeah.
1: So thank you so much, Matt, again, for um, joining us on the local.
2: Brilliant. Thank you. Much appreciated. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting you guys down to the barrel room where we're uh, able to.
1: Yes, absolutely.